Hey folks, in case you haven't noticed, episodes of the Passionate DJ Podcast are now getting published to YouTube. So if you'd like to see video versions of these episodes, hit up our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash passionate DJ. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Passionate DJ Podcast. I'm your host, David Michael, and I have a special guest co-host with me today, the one and only Mr. Greg Lane, also known as G-Money. How you doing, my friend? I'm good. Uh, just uh, looking forward to doing this with you. How you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, I appreciate you coming on and uh, filling in as guest co-host today. Uh, I wanted to talk to you about a few different things. We're going to be talking about um, the... Uh, uh, ways to make our DJing unique and and some different steps to doing that. But I first wanted to kind of introduce you to the audience because you have a long history with Passionate DJ now. Um, you're one of our Passionate DJ ambassadors, so you're a group of uh, just a few different people who kind of work a little bit behind the scenes, talk to us in our uh, you know Slack channel, give us direct feedback, and we kind of work back and forth to try to spread the word. And so I wanted to just kind of introduce uh, you to the audience. And so uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what you're into as a DJ. So I guess I, I, like a long story short, I, I really kind of got into DJing starting in what, 1998. as used to be a hip-hop dancer uh, when okay. I was in the Marine Corps. And I got turned on to a little, uh, a little DJ crew out there and started learning to DJ with them and moved back to Mississippi of all places and uh, kind of got involved from that point. And uh, just over the years, just... Uh, it's just something I really love to do, and been able to never. I've never been able to want to. I've never give, wanted to give it up, and I've had some like lean years and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, that seems pretty common, especially after. Like, what's that? I was just saying that seems pretty common. Uh, a lot of people take the lean years is a good way to put it. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it, a lot of it came like uh, Hurricane Katrina down here where we live. Uh, went through that and I lost like uh, quite a bit of stuff and uh, mm. it took a little bit to get back into things. And then once I did and actually kind of, after I've kind of come through those years and stuff like that, um, you know, everything kind of got reignited back, uh, uh, as far as music wise. And then for a while, uh, I had got bit, you know, the two things that I do now with the two podcasts kind of, I got get bit by the acid bug. <laughs> now, now I'm doing two podcasts, uh, the sound underground, podcast and this is acid podcast and that's uh that's kind of that's kind of like a real condensed version of, of how i've been through you know there's there's, there's a lot of there, it's a long story. it should be a lot longer story but just in a uh, more condensed version yeah so the the sound underground um i'm actually wearing the shirt today you were nice enough to send me one of these great shirt actually i really enjoy wearing this um, but, uh, I was, uh, given the honor of, of, uh, putting a mix together for your show for the, uh, one year anniversary earlier this year. Um, yeah. which I had a lot of fun doing so that that's kind of the concept, right? Of the sound underground is like a, a, a rotation of guest DJs or what was your kind of approach with that? Well, 
with the Sound Underground podcast, the way, you know, I've always loved the essential mix. Mm-hmm. And and I used to listen to it religiously all the time. And just the way I kind of wanted to approach it was, I was like, I tell anybody that, that, that I get to play, if they agree, I'm like, I want you to be you. I want you to play what you want to play, not what you think everybody else wants to play, uh, to hear. And um, just just give me what you got. I just want at least an hour and a playlist, and that's it. And you can do whatever you want from that point, and I'll, and I'll put it out there. Because I want, I want people to hear, you know, all kinds of different stuff. I don't care what it is or where it comes from or anything like that. And, uh, to me, it's just about it's just about music. And that's the basis of the Sound Underground podcast itself. And actually, that's kind of the idea of what I look at the Sound Underground. It is it's just, just, you know, anything and everything. Uh, so right. with the Sound Underground, so no real stylistic limitations. Does it kind of center around any particular sounds, or has it been widely varied, or what have you seen uh, since you've kind of given DJs free reign with that? Well, I, I, you know, one of my production partners did like kind of more breaks, uh, down tempo type mix. I've done, dr- I have drum and bass. There's been quite a bit of like tech house, progressive house type stuff. I've covered trance. Um, I, I don't really, you know, I don't really, you know, I don't, I don't, even if I, like what, I'll be like, I'll ask people to do it just to maybe turn myself onto something that I haven't heard. So yeah. I can try to get a better understanding of some of the things because no matter how I might feel about something or going into it, I'm always going to give it a chance and I'm going to listen to it from there. Whether I have a, uh, like these preconceived notions of the music in, in itself, I, I listen to the mix that everybody sends me and I, I appreciate for what it is. And I've enjoyed every single one I've gotten. I think it's sometimes it can be better to, to sort of be pleasantly surprised like that rather than kind of having preconceived notions. It's like, oh, wow, this wasn't what I expected at all, but it, this is cool. Yeah. 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 Uh, so the other show, This is Acid. Um, yeah. It's all in the name, right? All about acid. So uh, is that, a, that, that's all you DJing, right? Or do you have guests on that show as well? I've had, uh, I've had a few guests. Uh, DJ Wank, uh, he's, he's from Sweden. I've had uh, Panic, who's actually from uh, Alabama. I've had my, my buddy Charles Logan do one. Um, I did, I did a combination mix with, uh, my production partner in 326, uh, uh, his name's Danny. Uh, but most of them have all been me. I'm trying to get some other people involved, uh, and some some other names because it's really a niche group, but overall, if you do a comparison on the two podcasts, it does better because it just seems like maybe the niche group is always hunting out that music always. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's pretty awesome. You know, that, that. So is it acid, is it anything that's three hundred three based, or is it kind of like acid house, acid techno, or do you center around a particular genre? I guess. Well, yeah, I have a buddy in Austin. He's like, he says, "Are you going to do only three hundred three sounds? Are you going to be this for the purists?" I said, "Look, I said, if it sounds like acid, it's acid. I don't, I don't care." I like that answer. <laughs> yeah, you know, I said, I don't care what some purists might think or something like that. It's just, you know, it's the same thing as the uh, the the real DJ thing. Yeah, yeah. Why get I, lost I, in the minutiae? Yeah, get over it. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, know, sounds good. That's what matters. Yeah, absolutely. If it sounds good, it is good. That's what I always say. Yeah. Uh, so, real quick, you know, we mentioned the ambassador program, and this is um, something we've kind of gone back and forth on as far as like what is the ambassador program, and do we, you know, so far it's been very like tight knit. There's probably what. 
more than five, less than 10 active people in, in the group. And it's kind of an invite only thing still. And so uh, I wonder if I could ask you, and I'm kind of throwing you under the bus with this. I didn't tell you I was going to ask this, but uh, what made you want to participate and kind of be more involved with Passionate DJ in sort of a, a behind the scenes way? So, well, you're not really throwing me under the bus, you know, actually give me an opportunity to answer a question that, you know, that I think I've mentioned before. Like, if you remember when you first did that, like the real DJ thing was the 10 things, I uh, think about vinyl or something. It was, it was when you got bombarded, when it, got, it was it was an article you did. Well, you should still know how to beat match by ear. Yeah, and I emailed you directly on that and, and, and just told you, like, like um, you know, you, you, you responded and said, man, I'm getting killed today with the, with the website and all that <laughs> stuff. Get it figured out. But we kind of trade back a few emails back and forth, and, and I started following the, the, the blog, and it was just, to me, it was, it was great to see, you know, somebody, you know, putting an effort in, in uh, the time of something that you love to do and, and building it from the ground up. And that, that kind of inspired me a bit. And, and I kind of, kind of got lost a little bit, not listening to the, the podcast so much as I did read, because to me, like it used to be like podcast. I couldn't really listen to it. Really. I, I prefer to listen to music. But then I started listening to the podcast, and I've gotten to the point where I listen to like podcasts more than I listen to music. <laughs> yeah. And as you got to the 100 show, it just, it just, I just listened more and more. And I, I just, you know, I just felt like it was something I wanted to be a part of it and everything like that because I enjoyed seeing it because, it, like, basically kind of seeing you from the beginning when it comes out, even though you had Charlotte before that. So it, it, it's, it's fun. It almost feels like, you know, I've started my journey a while, a few years back trying to do the website and trying to do the podcast and the morning getting production stuff. And then also see you see you guys like work from from the ground up, too. And it, it just, it, you know, it's nice to see and also be able to work with people in that way. too. Well, and, and we definitely appreciate what you guys do. You know, we've been kind of wishy washy on exactly what the ambassador tasks are. And, you know, Mo and I have gone back and forth on it like. What do we want to? What's too much to ask from these guys who are volunteering their time and and all that kind of stuff? So uh, you guys have really stuck around and been troopers and and you've, I think you know one thing that I've said before is you guys were passionate DJ ambassadors before we gave you the label. That's why we reached out to you. You guys were already participating and and kind of sharing the word. And so uh, on behalf of the rest of the team, I just wanted to uh, thank you personally for uh, being part of it. We really uh, re- really appreciate it. Well, I appreciate being able to being able to do it. Like I said, I, I enjoy it. Uh, so you know, it's the pleasure's all mine, so to speak. Awesome, <laughs> awesome. So you're uh, you're from Ocean Spring. You're living in Ocean Springs, uh, Mississippi. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm from Ocean Springs. You're from Ocean Springs. Okay, so and that's what close to Biloxi, correct? Yeah. And so, uh, what what's it like down there, music wise? Is there a scene to speak of as far as this kind of dance music thing, or what? I, I have well, no idea what to expect. I've I haven't been to Mississippi since I was uh, I could barely walk. <laughs> well, I tell you what, pre Katrina years, it was there was actually a really good little small scene around here. But we live next to New Orleans, mm-hmm. a little a little over an hour from New Orleans, and so you know, as you like one of the one of the podcasts I got really excited about was when you you had Donnie on there because like yeah. he's a le- he's a, like before. He was a legend in everybody else's mind. He was already a legend here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Disco Donnie. And, you know, just going to, you know, the shows, the uh, Zulu, going to 
so basically, we were kind of an extension of the scene of New Orleans. Like, we would play over there. They'd come over and play. We had this little place over here called Rainy Paint. Every week, we, we did a thing. So, okay. But since Katrina, like, it's really not – it's really – there's a lot of casinos around here now, and they kind of suck in a lot of the uh, the nightlife. I see. And they play terrible music, so there's just really not a whole lot that goes on. That's so the way I kind of look at it. Another way I look at podcasts, like if I can't go see good music, then I'm gonna do it at home. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. I was actually gonna bring that up because uh, you know sometimes we get messages from people like we. Like, I want to be a DJ, but I don't have any gigs, or I don't know where to play, or I don't have anywhere that my music fits, or something like that. And, you know, like, 2018, 2019, it's like, there's a lot of options to kind of do this whole DJing thing in your own way, right? And I think yeah. that you've um, you found or are finding the way that you want to express yourself as a DJ by, by starting these shows. I'm kind of doing the same thing through Passionate DJ, you know, finding a way to use that to to express myself through a medium, which is what DJs do. And uh, I, I think that's great that you've uh, you've stayed in it and found a way to, to keep doing what you do, uh, even if the scene uh, isn't striking your fancy right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know what? It's, it's funny, too, because I would, tell my wife, I said, I used to sit in my little truck before, like, I'd go out, like, when I was still single or whatever. And I'm like, I said, you know, it's pretty bad when I'd rather sit in my truck and listen to the music than go in and listen to what they're playing in there. Yeah. So was it was it a stylistic thing? Like you couldn't find the, the actual music you liked or is it just a lack of shows? It just, well, lack of shows and just like, just the, you know. It's one lease to the other. Night, big nightclub, just, you know, top 40. And yeah, it's just, it, it, it's, it's, it's. You say, yeah, I hear y'all talk about dating and, and being small and stuff like that. Like you, I mean, like, uh, it's, it's, it's terrible. <laughs> yeah. Well, I like talking to people from, from others, like not huge cities, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like kind of medium level cities, because it's, I, I feel like there's a lot of perspective that can be shared there. You know, we, we like talking to, we, we have the other ambassadors are kind of from similar cities. You know, we've got a, uh, Noel's from Phoenix, for example. Like that's a great, that's a bigger city, but it's like that's a totally different place than here in the Midwest. And so I always like to ask and and try to get a feel for for what it's like. You know, it's this is a big country. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, 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 you know, like I said, it, it, there, there's some efforts around here for me, uh, like for me and a few other guys to try to get some stuff, but they're just it, it, the support and it's like it's like the younger generation we haven't been able to find them like there's a there's a, a core group of us that are older about my age mm -hmm. but we just can't seem to find where the young you know, the younger kids are to bring them up even though we know they're there it's just like we, we can't find them but then also there's just a lack of commitment from venues around here they just they will if you don't gotcha. have them immediately then you're not it's not going to work out and 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 that's that's pretty you know, it's pretty disheartening. It actually, something just happened recently with a couple of, we did a, a monthly event around here called My House or Your House. A friend of mine puts it on. I would play regularly for them. Two venues, two months in a row, just, just you know, oh, we don't play techno here. Or the other one's like, oh, mm -hmm. I'm not happy. One night. I mean, just one night. And it, it just, it, you know, it's, it's got to the point where like, we're talking about we want to go do illegal, illegal raids. <laughs> <laughs> they're more fun anyway yeah they are <laughs>
Uh, so before we get on to the main topic, uh, where can our listeners uh, listen to these shows? Should they just subscribe, like Apple Podcasts and, and so on? Well, uh, you can get to any of the uh, any of the uh, places it's at in iTunes or SoundCloud or uh, uh, or listen to it on the website, thesoundunderground.net, and it's spelled the same way. Sound, there's no 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 funny business. No, no hyphens, no dashes, nothing. This the soundunderground.net. Uh, but then uh, from there, you can get to SoundCloud. You can subscribe in Google Music. You can subscribe in iTunes. You can also listen and download uh, from the site. You can get all the playlists. That's one thing I do with with every set that we do. We always publish a playlist uh, and, and try to get some information on any guest DJs that are playing and stuff like that. Maybe where they can find other music by them and stuff. So I have other big plans for the site, but. You know, time uh, is always, uh, uh, maybe time is valuable, and I have a family, two little, two little girls now, too, so it's kind I of I hear hard. that, brother. <laughs> <laughs> so the soundunderground.net, and if the listener needs somewhere to start, um, you could check out my mix, scroll down a few mixes, and you'll find mine. Uh, also, our friend Kilma recently did, I think that's the current one, yeah? Yeah, yeah, we got coming out next week, so, but hers most recent. And that, I'll tell you what, uh, I had, you know, to, to kind of, you know, uh, throw myself on the bus a little bit. I hadn't really heard a whole lot that she'd done, just a few things here and there online. But I'll tell you what, that mix that she did, I was really, I was really impressed with it. I really liked it. Oh, it was fire. I was I was driving around running errands that day, so I, I brought it up on my phone and I was rocking out all day. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, she's she's fun. Uh, so yeah, yeah thesoundunderground.net. And uh, I am going to get on to our main topic, but I do want to real quick remind our listening audience to support us on Patreon if you want to gain access to our monthly bonus episodes. We have a monthly show called After Party, and it's kind of deleted scenes and side conversations and other things that didn't make it into the main show. If you'd like to gain access to all that bonus content, just head over to patreon.com slash passionate DJ, sign up and support us at any level you want. We also have merch for sale at passionatedj.com slash merch. And uh, today's topic actually comes from another place you might want to check out, which is our Facebook community group. We've been plugging this pretty hard lately. Uh, it's been working. The group's been growing. It's been awesome. You can hit that up by going to passionatedj.com slash community. And that brings us to today. And we've uh, been doing this like question of the week sort of thing. And so one of the questions that I posted recently was, what's unique about your own DJing style? And we got all kinds of responses in there. And so what I've done is kind of pulled those responses and found some sort of recurring or common traits and pulled those traits out of these responses. And we turned this into 10 traits of unique DJs. And so Greg and I are just going to go through these now and discuss. Sound like a plan? Yeah, sounds good. Awesome. Do you happen to have the notes pulled up or in front of yeah, you? Yeah, I've got them right here. Okay, great, great. <laughs> uh, so the first trait that we're going to talk about is adaptability. So when I posted this, we just mentioned Kilma. She said yeah. that uh, it's probably my ability to adapt. While I don't play top 40 music and I tend to stay within the realms of house and techno, I can typically make my DJ sets work for various crowds. And uh, now this is definitely more relevant to the live audience thing, kind of going back to that. But yeah, that ability to adapt and like pivot you know what I mean, in the moment. So if, uh, you know, for example, something's not working, <laughs> knowing how to get out of that um, and do that kind of testing, A-B testing, crowd reading thing to see what's working and what's not. 
Uh, she mentions, what I like about it is that I've been able to stay within what I truly enjoy playing and performing, uh, which is, that's kind of the balance, I think, is like, you want to be adaptable, but you want to keep doing what you want to do. And I think a lot of people struggle with that, um, which it sounds like you had some of that struggle in your local DJ community or music scene, finding mm-hmm. finding that uh, I want to play what I want to play or I want to hear something different than is being provided. Yeah. I, I, and, you know, when you posted this question, I started trying to think of uh, a lot of things with me, but kind of to that point, like, uh, I think one of the ways to adapt, like, you need to know the, you know, just like you always talk about, you need to know the crowd that you're going into and be able to pivot and change at any point in time. But then I also, one of the things that in the way that I am, if, and, it, and it, you can call it snobbery or whatever, but I, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to let myself get booked for a show where I have to do that. Right. You know what I mean? Because I'm going. I, that, when I'm when I'm playing, I'm playing. I'm coming to play what I want to play. Unless you know, it was something that you know. There, there's sometimes we get something where you can say, "Okay, I know this is going to go in." So you got your folder over here of your favorites and stuff like that. Kind of like I posted a long string of uh, tracks the other day, and the question we asked, like <laughs> these are a lot of things that you could just have in a folder that like, everybody would enjoy. Yeah. Just about as much as they want to admit it, and and that's that's adapting in in in. Uh, Adapting to overcome, so to speak, go back to my Marine Corps days. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's 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 a common struggle. I hear this a lot. Like the it's the adaptability versus like, okay, how much do I adapt before I'm like selling out or however yeah. you want to phrase it, you know? Yeah. And yeah. It, it really does come down to like, well, what are you doing this for? Like, is this your job? Are you making your income off of this? Like, how much are you willing to flex on this? Because for me, this is something I do because I enjoy it. I like expressing myself through the music artistically, and it's kind of like a, I don't know, I, I call it a personal therapy thing. Like, especially when I'm yeah. by myself, I'm just kind of in the mix. I get lost in it and stuff. And so I, I, a lot of the mixing action that I do is is f- as much for me as anyone else. So in order for that to work, you have to kind of, align and like choose the gigs that are appropriate to where you can play what you want to play and other people are going to dig it because otherwise I'm just kind of forcing my sound down the throats of everybody else who doesn't want to hear it. Well, to me playing is like a cathartic uh, situation where like if I go somewhere, if I was to go somewhere and and like you said, get to a point where I'm not happy with what I'm playing, then it becomes, it doesn't become a a cathartic situation where I'm not, you know, cleansing myself, so to speak, and then I would feel dirty, and I like this whole situation in itself, like just is not making me happy now. So hey, you start wondering what the point is after a while. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you want to read our next uh, response? Uh, yeah. So it's uh, adventurousness. You want me to read the whole thing? We just what you got highlighted. Uh, read what you got highlighted, and and we okay. can go from there. So I've got. It says. Uh, well, I can't. Uh, Deepy. The name. The name is Deepy. Yeah, I've got some positive feedback from a few very credible DJs in the city by mixing in slower tempo BPM, 70 to 110 BPMs, uh, psychedelic music to my side trance 138 to 144 BPM. It allows you to play with energy levels by bringing them up and down. 
allows you to play with energy levels by bringing them up and down. So adventurousness. Um, I, I, t I tend to think of this as like, you know, as, as DJs, especially like if you want to use the word snobby or, or whatever, like the, the more ingrained in that that we get, I think the less adventurous we can get. You know what I mean? As far as like, I know what my sound is. I know what sounds I like. And this is, this is just what I play, you know? And I think that, that adventurous nature, like our response from, from our friend here in the community group, um, taking, taking music that is stylistically similar, but like drastically different BPM and energy levels and being able to kind of move between those to try to push and pull not only the crowd, but kind of yourself and like test your own little limitations and see where you can take something rather than kind of going with a cookie cutter tried and true. You know what I mean? Yeah. So when I read this, when you sent this to me last time, this is, I looked at the list and read it. I kind of actually thought about the crystal grid uh, podcast you did the other day where they talked about going from, I think where they started around, uh, was it 90 or something like that? And around 50, I guess. Yeah. I guess. They do double time, so you would double it or something like right. that, and and that's kind of like what this idea is, is is the whole kind of roller coaster type idea of uh, with BPM. One thing that I've always kind of done is uh, I always try to find a BPM that I want to start at and, and and try to increase it throughout the set uh, up to like I don't I don't have a target one, but it could end up you know wherever it ends up. And uh, it all just depends on, on, you know, how everything's going from that point. I do that too, but I feel like I only increase by like two or three BPM, which really doesn't seem adventurous <laughs> when I think about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's yeah. like a, a habit that I get into, you know? Yeah. I've had some, like I did, I actually did a, a, a DJ series back in 2013. I did every week, you know, when we had our first little girl, I'd put her bed at, uh, I'd put her bed at like, eight o'clock and then I'd go in there and play music for like two hours. I, I had some mixes where I started like 70 or 80 and I ended about 120. That's a pretty, pretty big jump. Yeah. And you just, you just like gradually work your way there. Yeah. Or, or and, have... and one of the best ways to use that though is, uh, is, is, uh, is, is using breakdowns or, uh, melodic just interlude types. Yeah. You don't necessarily, smash it together you just kind of piece it together with these these ambient sounds and stuff like that uh, that's what i was going to ask because you can you can get away with like jumping up a couple bpm without anybody noticing especially with like a little key lock or something you know so they don't hear you bumping it up but yeah, yeah. you have like a breakdown or or a, something like that and then you can kind of bump it up and then by the time the beat comes in it's just faster but they don't necessarily notice <laughs> Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. and you you can do that. I, I've I've had occasions where you could hear, you could hear that little. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I tell you a good example of that also is uh, like I've I've actually taken it upon myself here recently to uh, start listening to every one of the Global Underground CDs from one uh, all the way through. Wow. Uh, to, well, they're on 41, and I think I'm on 14. I've been, I put it on on my, my, my laptop and put it in my speakers as I'm working during the day because I work from home. I'll turn it up. And like to this day, still, the uh, Global Underground with Paul's and Paul, as much as, you know, it, his, his mixing, you know, these days still outlags something, but that CD to me, like CD2, 
with the he starts out with the drum and bass and stuff like that and he transitions it's just to me it's like one of the like it's a timeless type cd and he uses that type of thing he go he starts out drum and bass he's doing the first few tracks and then he's back into the trans type stuff and he used the melodic interludes and the and ambient perfect to be able to do that transition like it did it, it was it was you know just put together so well is that 14 oakenfold no that's seven that's it's seven. either two or seven because it was in new york but they're both the same cd and but in in also the one in Oslo, I'd never really heard the full thing till recently, and he did the same type thing. He played, but he played a lot more drum and bass, and it was really, it was just really good. So, what are you on now, John Digweed? I'm. I just got done with Digweed. Hong just got Kong. done. Okay. James Lavelle, I think, is it? I knew it was right around there. <laughs> yeah, Prague, I believe it is. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That used to be the uh, the series, the collect. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, once again, the question is, what's unique about your own style of DJing? Rob says, my ability to perform mashups on the fly, my eclecticism, but mostly how I dig deep into underground cuts, or cuts that fell off the radar. So we're talking about being eclectic, um, which obviously helps, right? I mean, the, the more, I guess, music, breadth of musical knowledge we have, the more kind of tools we have to, to reach into uh, to either jump around in style or to just present a new sound to a new audience or something like that. Um, what do you, what do you think about this eclecticism thing? Because once again, this is kind of the balance between this is my sound and this is what I do, but also I want to show that I'm, I have variety, you know? Yeah. The, 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 the collecting thing, like, so one of the first things that pops in my mind is, we used to go to State Palace, and like one of the big acts always used to come through was Rabbit in the Moon. But like uh, Monk, who was part of the uh, Rabbit in the Moon, was one of the DJs. He always played these sets at Zulu and stuff like that. And he's a really great DJ. I actually bought him to play here locally, and well, he would he would play like this real hard, like uh, like uh, dirty techno, uh, like booty house and stuff like that. But then he always had this one track that like he dropped and i can't remember the name of the original song but it's a southern rock band mixed with some drum and bass and to me that's the eclectic piece is like you dropping something in that's so unexpected that it just drives everybody nuts you know and then like that, taking that risk showing your personality when it comes to certain things like that and be able to just drop in this random track like i, I you know i i kind of collect these little songs and stuff like that to, to wonder if like if I can remember this like I have I love Dolly Parton and um uh um Kenny Rogers Islands in the Springs. Like I, I, I ride around sometimes listening I'm like, I wonder if this would work some somewhere one day. <laughs> you know that's that's when you think when I think of a collect yeah collect It's hard to say, I know. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I kind of think of. And in being able to do that is 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 a uh, you know like it but you got to know when to do it you can't just do it <laughs> right right because at a certain point you just sound completely random and disjointed right if you're going all over yeah. the place <laughs> yeah. yeah it's got to be like the, this is the moment right here is the one where i'm going to catch them off guard yeah yeah, yeah. and yeah <laughs> that's a hey, you want you want to know eclectic speaking of donnie uh 
one year, I think it was, I'm not sure if it was a fruit fest. I wasn't there, but there's stories of it. Interstate Palace Theater, like you got to imagine it's 1920s opera house. Like just, it's got, it's got balcony balconies, it's got chandeliers and this big, tall, tall uh, uh, you know, stage. It's all dark. You got 5,000 ravers in there. They throw all the lights on and they have a choir with a marching band. Whoa. Come, come through everywhere. And like, from what I understand, the people just was freaking out. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of those stories like that type of stuff. Especially if it's <laughs> unexpected like that. What's that? Especially if it's unexpected. Yeah, and, and that's kind of the eclectic type thing. It's just all, you know, and that's like just in a show type thing, but like it was all in, in, the, in the midst of a DJ set and how it was all built in and stuff like that too. So, you know, <laughs> that's kind of an extreme example. <laughs> well, there have been a number of those extreme examples. You know, we've we've seen DJs perform with you know full orchestras and and all yeah. kinds of stuff. You know, yeah. uh, so ten traits of unique DJs. Uh, the next one talks about being entertaining. Uh, Larry says the ability to entertain rather than be a glorified song changer. And he talks about uh, the mashing up of his radio delivery style on the mic. Uh, he had 45 years in radio. So, yeah, um, that's not something that I've really done a whole lot of. I don't know if you've had experience with doing the kind of mic control thing as a uh, live I'm DJ. Scared. I'm, scared. I'm scared of the mic. Are you? <laughs> yeah. I, it, for me, <laughs> I think most DJs are. Yeah, I, I think it, well, it depends, right? Because if you're the type of DJ, like mobile DJs, a lot of them, that, that's just kind of part of the gig, right? Like, so wedding DJs, hey, it's time for the father-daughter dance, da 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 um, Or if you do, like, trivia, karaoke, anything like that, you know, that kind of stuff all obviously comes with, with mic work. The stuff that I've done uh, almost stylistically doesn't include mic work. Like, it would annoy my crowds if I <laughs> if I got yeah. on the mic, you know. Um, but I I think for a certain segment of our, a big segment of our DJ audience, you know, this is really important, having that kind of, like, vocal personality and be able to interact you know doing crowd work is a lot harder than it looks when somebody's doing it right you know what i mean yeah. uh, it's it's stressful and <clears throat> easy well, to say the of, wrong thing <laughs> this this kind of like this you know we'll probably talk about this in a later a later um, question also but i'll just kind of bring it up now like you had djs like ron carroll like i this is one of the ones i thought about last night and who's saying he's saying he he sang and wrote the song "The Sermon," and he he would do his sets. He uh, he would come down here also, like he was big and coming to New Orleans for a while. Like he was on a regular rotation through, and people loved watching him because he would sing with his DJ sets. He would sing live, mm. and uh, that that can be a lot of fun. So that's a form of entertaining as far as that goes. Um, it, it's adding a whole thing, and it's it's you know there's a few other female DJs that I've seen that have done that, and, and, and it's it it adds a whole different element if you're able to do something like that in that way. Uh, to me, that if, if I could sing, maybe I would do something like that. But that, to me, would be an added entertainment aspect to it also. Colette is a great example of that in the, yeah. the Deep House world. I've yeah. had the opportunity of seeing her here uh, locally twice. And uh, both times it was, you know, she has a, a, a perfect balance. She's, you know, songwriter and, and producer anyway. So, you know, that kind of works into the, the whole deal. But, uh, you know, she had like a headset microphone and she was doing her DJ thing. And then when the part would come up, she would start singing and she kept on mixing and 
she's just adorable, you know, just uh, real short and up there and beaming, smiling the whole time, having a great time. And yeah. you know, that's, that's its own, you know, kind of entertainment as well. Uh, yeah. Crystal Grid is another example, you know, who we, we have brought on the show recently. Um, sax work and the drums and all the, the mic work in between and all that kind of stuff and the energy that you show, you know, when you're on stage and not just standing behind the decks, but actually moving around and playing instruments, you know, making eye contact and, and that's kind of thing. Like we've, uh, they have me, Crystal Grid has me come to some of their practices and stuff and, and give feedback. And um, that was one of the things that I mentioned is like, Hey, I know this is awkward with just me sitting in the room, but when there's a crowd, do you make eye contact with people and stuff? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, I understand you didn't want to serenade me privately here, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to be mindful of all that stuff when you're just trying to make sure the music's good, you know? Yeah. 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 Uh, do you want to take uh, us on to our next trait? Yeah. Uh, so this is uh, about patience. Um, uh, it's from Christopher. He says, uh, I enjoy long, subtle transitions where you end up with something special and in sync in the middle. Yeah, so patience. Now, this is one that I preached over and over on this show. Um, maybe I'm too patient. Maybe some DJs like to be a little more hyperactive than I am. Um, I realize that's a stylistic choice. But I think um, the point was kind of like a lot of today's DJs and, you know, shows like festivaly type shows are really like fast transition, you know, quick cuts and that kind of stuff. Whereas like, you know, locking in a mix for like two or three minutes that actually works. Um, you know, that kind of, I don't, I hesitate to use the word mashup because that kind of brings that quick mixing style into my head when I say mashup. Right. Well, it's layering. So layering. Like, I yeah. Really expound on this, on this idea. By all means. <laughs> So, I think we share similar, not, uh, you know, uh, probably love for John Digweed. Mm -hmm. uh, but, and you had, I can't remember his name, though, the guy he had on a while back about, uh, and uh, y'all did a, a podcast and talked a lot about John Digweed and just like the different stuff and stuff like that. And like, I, like, to me, he is the best mixer that as far as like bringing tracks together and making something totally different than what you that what you like you cannot go listen to a track that he puts on a mix by itself and hear the same thing that's on the cd that you buy yeah i think you're, either, that, either that's because he's playing a different mix and not telling you or <laughs> or or he's that good and right. that I, like to this day that's my goal and that I think mm. is the same thing. The guy he said also, it's my goal whenever I play is that is that I want I want to create this whole different thing, and 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 have it put together. And to me, you know, I, my buddy gets on to me all the time. He says, "Why well, you only play twelve or thirteen tracks in an hour?" I'm like, "I'm like, do you know where they all end and begin?" Well, like, oh, okay, well then, you know what? It doesn't make a difference. I said because the way I'm looping and the way I'm layering, I'm, I'm trying to make it all perfectly seamless. Like right. it's all one thing, and, uh, and and to me that is patience in the mixing because it's like, and that's why that's why I won't take gigs that I don't people aren't uh, want you to be paid because I don't want to play outside of that patience. I don't want to play differently than what I feel is what what you know what I am and how that goes, and that, and yeah. that is the. Patience. 
And 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 another another good example is like Beatdown. I love their UFCS CDs, and I also love their Global Undergrounds because if you listen to the first track, and then you say, "Let me go listen to the last track," you're like, "How did we get here? How did we get to this point?" Yeah. And you can't do it by listening to an individual track. You have to listen to them all. And that's where the like the patience. You need patience for yourself, but you also need patience from the listener. Patience of the listener. Exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it it's it's really tough to get somebody to commit to listening to an hour or two in that way, you know. Yeah. Especially somebody like you or me, like not John Digweed, you know. But like, like you you need in order to get the context, you have to yeah. understand how you got from here to here. You can't just skim through it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, a yeah. lot of people just don't have the time for that. You know, quote yeah. unquote. Uh, it's that kind of short attention span sort of thing, which is where the patience comes in. You know, the rest of the comment here says, uh, so many DJs I see love to transition quickly or slam faders. Um, not to say there's no place for that, but I just love the relationship that's possible in a deep mix. And I, I think that just connects with a different set of people when you have that, like, oh, I'm locked into this. I don't want to say loop because that's too specific, but I'm locked into this groove and it keeps on going and it and it leads me from this place to this place and how did i end up here yeah and that's that's what i always say i i just I, like i say to people i'm like you'll be someplace and you're just like how did we how did we get to this point i'm like you know one of the best experiences i ever had in my life uh, is like i used to love to take people to the first like like show or something like that you know i took uh this guy his name was uh Bert. Uh, Burton uh, or something like that. <laughs> he never really been in a show, and, and I so I took him to see. Uh, I think it was either Delta Heavy or something. And he's like, "Oh, this is." By the end of the night, he had his shirt off. He was sweating. This was in the House of Blues. He was making out with some girl, and he's like, "This is the greatest night of my life." And it, it and it was all created from. You know, like if you've ever seen, like especially with like the Delta Heavy Tour 2002, if you went to that, we saw it in the House of Blues. Like you're talking about, they had the phase on system and just, you know, you're you killing me. Like three, three or four hundred people. You're killing and me. You're right here on the stage. And I'm just telling you, it's like you, the first track that we played because he had, um, it was just like the whole ground was shaking. And then just the whole night. It just, it was just, it was unbelievable. And like, I've seen these experiences of people that you bring and it's just like, you are, you're understanding it, you know, and, and that, that was the like a thing that was like, that's probably one of the best feelings ever. And, 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 and I kind of, I kind of go on tangents here a little bit, but that all comes from that patience type thing. Be able to, when you're, if you're committing to this place and going here, be patient to get, to get through it because you're going to really enjoy yourself by the time we get to that, to that end point at the end of the night. Yeah, it's kind of like, like commit to this, right? Like, are you here yeah. for this experience or not? Um, yeah. The uh, you know, unfortunately, my experience with the uh, the Sasha and Digweed uh, Delta Heavy tour uh, comes strictly from the documentary DVD, <laughs> <laughs> which uh, Tony Desero was kind enough to let me borrow and watch. Um, I was graduating high school that year, and I barely even knew what this music was at the time. Um, yeah. But man, going back, like stuff like that and then hearing about uh twilo in new york and and all that stuff it's like man i just if i could go back if i just knew a few more things back then <laughs> if i'd been just a little bit older yeah yeah uh, yeah i think 
I'll say that when it comes to certain things because, uh, yeah. Believe <laughs> yeah. me, you still done plenty, I'm sure. So <laughs> it's always tough because it's like you. There's always some act that's like, oh, if I was a few years older or something. But uh, then there's other ones that I've like been pleasantly surprised that I've I've caught up with later. Like um, I totally accidentally saw uh, George Clinton and Parliament Funkadelic at uh, Indianapolis Motor Speedway one year. Yeah. I was like, I was there for a car thing, and I was like, looking at the program, <laughs> like George, what? <laughs> so me and my uncle bailed and went over there, and it was awesome, yeah. you know. So it was, I was kind of caught off guard by it, but uh, yeah, there's uh, thinking about those old John Digweed uh, and Sasha glory days that uh, turned uh, the millennium. Yes, before we move on to the next one, I, I, and we kind of go on that, I like I, I, this is what I like to tell people because not many people have been able to experience it. So do you do you remember uh, Jay Z's Black album? Mm-hmm. Okay, do you remember the Gray album with uh, what, Mod- Modest Mouse? Or with Danger Mouse. Danger Mouse, I mean, sorry. Yeah, I saw him perform it live. Like really? Only, one of two times he saw it perform it live. I saw him perform it live in Miami by uh, by a pool at a, uh, during the huh. uh, Winter Music Conference. Wow. And there was like 50 people there. And and we got to see him perform it live. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Yeah, Tony tells a story, a similar story about uh, Carl Cox uh, yeah. in Miami. And he he was playing for like nobody knew who he was at the time. And he was playing yeah. for like, you know, 20 people, you know, around a table or something. So him and his buddy just stood there and watched him like, oh, my God, this is Carl Cox. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's 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 one of those moments. Yes, for sure. Uh, the next trait that comes up is uh, of unique DJs is musicianship, and we kind of touched on this already. Um, Mariana says I incorporate freestyle singing into my sets. Um, I, I use the breakdowns or instrumental portions of the music to share my own lyrics or mash up other songs. And then Jared chimes in. This is Jared from Crystal Grid. He says I mix a track and then play the drums to it. Um, so yeah, b- incorporating live instrumentation, um, sampling sequencing anything that kind of brings more of a, a live music element uh can make your sets uh, for better or worse can make your sets uh more unique yeah are you do you play an instrument or i, I don't think i've ever asked you that before i wish I, I you know i've started learning theory and everything but like i'm i'm old my fingers just don't have the dexterity that they should but i'd love to learn to play the piano because uh you know i have production equipment i have stuff i just I, I really wish I would have learned to play an instrument when I was younger. <laughs> I really do. Do you have a preferred uh, DAW software? Prefer what? Preferred oh, uh, studio software? Uh, well, I use Ableton. 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 Yeah. Yeah, I, man, everybody's trying to get me to switch to Ableton. I'm, I'm a long-time FL Studio user since I was, like, 15. So yeah. Back when it was called Fruity Loops 3.0 yeah. or whatever. It was ba- yeah. barely more than a drum machine. Yeah. Um, and it, it just, I kind of grew along with that. And so with the, I, I've mentioned this on the show before. I keep thinking about it just because everybody I knew, I know uses Ableton in some form. So it would just make it easy to, to trade project files and stuff rather than like, can you export these stems and blah, blah, blah. Give me MIDI <laughs> files. Ableton's just good at everything. It seems. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's uh, my buddy that I we, I work with as far as production wise goes. He's thinking about switching over Logic, but like my buddy in Austin, uh, Damon, he uh, he tries to use everything. He yeah. he'll, use, he'll use Logic. He'll use uh, Ableton. You know, because he to him he's been doing it since 
he used to go to Club Yellow, you know, the Space Lab Yellow in Tokyo in 91, and that's where he started learning how to DJ and learning how to play music in, in, back in the like early techno days in Japan. And uh, he's had experience with all those, and he, he, he knows just about everything about any different type of doll because he's used them, and he's like, I like this piece in here, I like this piece in here, I like this piece in here. Is that like an ADD thing, or is it like I want to be well-rounded and learn little bits of uh, everything? He just he he he's a he's a perfectionist. Okay. So he wants the best of everything, basically. Was what to, to oh, me. Oh, I see. He wants to he wants to uh, he wants to be able to produce the best thing he can out of the the tool that he's using. So he's like uh, uh, Ableton's really good at time stretching, but uh, Pro Tools is really good at audio editing. So I'm going to take the best yeah. of all these. Yeah, I gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, that's what he does exactly. But I, I, before I kind of we kind of got off a little bit, the musicianship. One of the things I wanted to bring up because, like you had talked, you know, I've had Crystal Grit a lot lately, and that kind of incorporates that. But then another surprising thing that people might be like um, not really know too much about or like kind of dismiss, but DJ Arrow and Tommy Lee. Oh yeah, have you ever seen them? I, I have. It's uh, actually. Uh, Tony brought them to town like I don't know ten years ago, more than ten years ago. Uh, mm -hmm. So it's been a very long time. But uh, yeah, I did. Yeah, the first time I saw them was at the Winter Music Conference, also, and I also saw them here locally too. And I, I really enjoyed it. It was a blast. Yeah, it was really good, yeah. especially playing the drums. Like, you know, I'm never, I'm not a Motley Crue fan. I might get some hate on that. Uh, same. Yeah, but <laughs> but it, you know, he's a drummer. He's a good drummer, mm -hmm. and he. Uh, he, uh, yeah, it was to me. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun watching that, and that's that. That goes into that musicianship. You know, he's a true musician and stuff like that, doing those things. And, and you know, DJ Arrow's adding in his 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 uh, his, his uh, DJ skills and all that stuff. And it just to me, it was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, I think that show might have been. There was a series of shows uh, ten or twelve years ago that Tony did here locally before three dimensional entertainment existed, and uh, it, that this might have been one of the ones that he worked with Disco Donnie on. Um, yeah, because he was doing a lot of that back then. Okay, ten traits of unique DJs. You want to bring us to our next one? Yeah, open-mindedness. Uh, John says not being tied down to one style of music or year. Mm. Yeah, so so kind of similar to the eclecticism, right? But so not being tied down to one style of music. So he goes on and says, a set of all new music bores me. So my typical set is old school classics mixed with harder trance and tech, techno, always building from start to crashing finish. So, yeah, this is this is kind of, once again, like, am I being too random or am I being open-minded and eclectic, right? Well, the, the, one thing, the one thing I'll say about this, though, is uh, one thing I thought about is, like, there's so much music out right now and there's so much so you can get so much access to so much music like i can play stuff from 10 years ago and i have and like i did i was i had a little uh doing a birthday party with somebody and i was playing a green velvet track and the guy was like what is this song i'm like man this is like 90s <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. i there's just there's just there's so much and then there's also so much older stuff that people haven't heard that I, I, I kind of take that view now. Like, I think a lot of DJs and like I would do, it's like, oh, it used to be, used to be, I have this record. I have these 10 new records. I can't let nobody see them because yeah. oh, they might get it. 
But now it's like it, that doesn't really matter because you can like it's kind of like obscurity through obfuscation. Obfuscation. Yeah. So it, they're all out there. All everybody yeah. has access to them, but they don't always find. Them. Yeah, you know, exactly. So it's not a rarity, not a rarity problem anymore. Now it's yeah. purely discovery. Like, have you, have you actually sought out this? You know, I'm pulling this out of you know, some corner left field that you wouldn't have looked, but there's some piece of this that's hooking you in. Yeah, you know what I mean. And I think yeah. that that's a big part of it. Like, so kind of taking it out of DJing, but just as an example, uh, my wife is uh, super into country especially old country but you know country music's kind of her thing and it is totally not my thing um I've... Uh, oh, hey look hey old country is 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 good if you uh, go listen to seven spanish angels and try not to cry well see and that's the thing so and that's kind of what i came to realize is like i i was just with a blanket response anytime it would come up and be like turn this garbage off i don't want to hear this twangy country bull crap you know what i mean and you know, you live with somebody for 10 years, <laughs> you start hearing the, the music back and forth, and we've both found middle ground of each other's music that we like. And yeah. and it's like, wow, man, like I would have totally written off all this, you know, especially old country especially, but yeah. I discovered that like, hey, there's this, like country kind of comes out of this blues sound, and I like that. So once I kind of put that together, that there's this bluesy country sound, you know, even like more modern, like Chris Stapleton, I can totally get with. You know, that's yeah, more there, bluesy there's, to me. There's a number of uh, new ones that I've been trying to get into a little bit more. It's kind of hard. Uh, I really should. To me, modern country, a lot of the stuff that started getting into the mainstream, like, like you, you can have all that. Yeah. Like, but like I, I, like I have a stack over here. Like I try to buy old country records because yeah. I, I just like some of them, like Willie Nelson. But like, like the other morning, like one of the things I do. Uh, with my little girl, one of my little girls, I take to school every morning. I, I say, okay, what do you want to listen to today? And she says, you pick, and I'll pick anything. Like, she loves Johnny Cash. Like, I love Johnny Cash. But then, like, I played Seven Spanish Angels the other day. I said, I, I was sitting there, I'm going to cry. So, like, like there's, this, there's, there's this thing about old country music that that they they try to replicate today with yeah. the same stuff over and over but there there is no like whenever you listen to it you're like you believe it it's kind of like also listen to eddie vetter like to me he was one of the greatest vocalists when it came to stuff because of the emotion that he put through his music you could feel it and you could feel that old country music. you can't feel that stuff today yeah so if we can turn you on some old country music <laughs> yeah yeah i'm totally down send me some suggestions in a in a dm or something all right <laughs> um, how old is your daughter that you Play the music I got one. one's five, one's three. Oh wow, we're really young. Okay, so that's yeah. cool. So my uh, my stepdaughter is eleven, and uh, what we started doing is actually we so we have like one of those shared uh, family Spotify plans. <laughs> and so yeah, we, we have the iTunes. <laughs> okay, yeah. So we made like a collaborative playlist, and uh, you know we have a little thing. That her and I call ourselves Team Awesome. It's just kind of like a running joke for like four years now. And so, we, I mean, we made a Team Awesome car rides. And so every now and then, either her or I will drag a new song for our car rides you know, to school. And so yeah. we can, we can kind of like, I'm like, oh, I think, like, I like this song, but I think Lily will like it. And then I'll put it in there and she'll do the same. So we're kind of trying to push each other a little bit and say, hey, what do you think of this? What do you think of this? Uh, that's cool that you, you guys do that. 
Yeah, I think it's. I think it, uh, to me, I, I want. I want. I want them to have exposure to to all that. And that that's the open mindedness. That that all goes with the open mindedness type thing. And 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 I just I think it's a good thing that that you can expose you know them to different type of music. And like you know, you go. I, I look at it as DJing. Like mm-hmm. I one of the things I like. I say I'm going to DJ for y'all. Like I'll like when they're both home. Sometimes I'll get the uh, the remote and I'll get on YouTube and I'll just think of. A song and I'll put it on and I'll just start going through and we'll oh, yeah. do it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Dan- I do the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> all right, ten traits of unique DJs. Cordell mentions preparedness. He says to me, it's all about preparation between booked shows as well as continuing to practice once or twice a week, even when my calendar is empty. Um, I'm a very low prep DJ. What about you? So. So, because my playing out is not as often as you know I would love it to be being in there, and so I, if I, I usually know well in advance when I'm going to play, mm-hmm. and I usually start kind of looking at like what I've bought within the past year and kind of like whittling that down and and then and then I go into the the gig with like fifty or sixty tracks. You know, I'm going to play two hours. I have a I have a big collection, but I know everything that's in there. And and it always seems to turn out really well because I, I kind of I, I'm able to transition if that's I'm able to you know pivot so to speak but it's yeah. still within what I want to do not something that I think I need to change up uh, change up to and I've also discovered that if I prepare for the the acid uh, podcast mm-hmm. more over a two week period as I know I'm coming in that they turn out better in my opinion. Okay. I don't know about I don't know about anybody else's opinion, but it just seems like I'm happier with the mix overall. The more I prepare for it. No, that that totally makes sense. Um, so I guess I should clarify when I say that I'm a low prep DJ. I, I'm low prep in that I don't do a whole lot of making sure my beat grids are correct and fooling with my tags and setting all my cue points. Like I, I'll occasionally do a little bit of that if I have a reason to, but generally I just kind of like get the tracks in there, but like. I do kind of obsess over the tracks themselves. And I, I do a similar thing to you where I'm like, okay, I have, I have an hour to play. So here's like four hours of music to fill that hour right, or whatever. So I get way too much because I want to pivot, but I also have some stuff I know I want to play and express in a certain, you know, take things in a certain direction. And so that kind of gives you options within that sort of realm of possibility. And then kind of to your second point where you're talking about the, the uh, this is acid show. Um, I, I think that makes a lot of sense for a recorded mix to put all of all of the prep time in. I do that. Like if I'm putting a recorded mix or something like that together, um, I spend way more time thinking about it and obsessing over it and preparing for it than I do actually recording it and putting it together. Um, yeah. But I think that makes sense for for something that's recorded and is is going to exist as a as a recorded piece. Yeah. And, 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 you know, the thing is, like, I, I've heard y'all talk about before, and that's why I kind of asked you to do the mix before, because, you know, I love to prepare for it. So, like, even now with this disaster mix, I, like, I'll still put 25 tracks or 30. Like, I have a I have a big list of, like, active acid, meaning I, these are ones I want to choose from, mm-hmm. and then I add to it as I move through, and then I try to move out stuff that I've already played because I don't want to re, replay tracks. Unless it's just that good, then I'll like wait a few shows and I might play it again. Uh, so I kind of rotate out that and like, like a grab bag. I don't do a lot of tagging and everything like that. 
what I use is I use the stars in tractor to say, okay, these are the ones I want to play this mix, and I'm not going out of this. But it never fails. I always do go out of that list because I hear yeah. something playing it, and I'm like, well, I think that this would go good. Yeah. <laughs> so I go outside the list, and I grab that and pull it in. But that's just kind of off. But it's still that, that preparation kind of allows you to be able to, to do that, though, because you kind of already still already know where you want to be at, but you allow yourself to be able to 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 stray a little bit. There's been times where I've taken that. I, I take a similar approach, and there's been times where I've taken that that kind of secondary grab bag playlist, and I make that almost like I hate using the word, but like filler tracks, yeah. because mm-hmm. it's like because sometimes it's like you, you think of your grab bag of like these are the like the big tunes that I want to play, right? But then like I think of this this particular grab bag as like what if I'm pushing it too hard and I need to let it ride for a little bit? Mm-hmm. Or what if um, I'm getting to the end of my hour, you know what I mean? And like, I thought that I was going to be at this point in the set, but I'm actually way over here. You know, I've, I moved through these transitions way faster than I thought or something like that. I need to, to take a song or two. So I kind of think of them that way. Like these, these tracks will work with what I'm doing basically anywhere. You know what I mean? Like the energy doesn't do anything super crazy or change, but they stylistically fit. So like I said, yeah. I hate to use the word filler, but that's sort of what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And there's been many times I've played like I'm like there's tracks. You know, <clears throat> I think sometimes when you build a set, you kind of like you look at two or three tracks and you're like, these I am playing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how do I get to those? And, and to you, and, and, and I don't think it's a bad, like there is kind of filler in a sense, or it's bridges to those points. So to speak. You can use that word instead of filler. You say a bridge. Bridge. I like that. I think I'll start <laughs> using that from now on, actually. Bridges. I might even name my playlist for that bridges. I like that. Uh, <laughs> Cordell also says uh, something I've mentioned on the show before, uh, as I wanted to point out. He says, when I practice, I mentally put myself in a place where I'm actually playing in front of the live audience. It's that pressure that refines a diamond performance. Uh, I do the same thing. I totally agree. Like, if I have a especially if I have like a bigger, more important gig coming up and I'm doing like a, a practice or a prep session, I'll do that too. I'll like mentally put myself in that place where I'm, I'm envisioning what the crowd might be like. And I try not to get too specific because, you, you know, you could like fool yourself into thinking the wrong thing. But, you know, if I'm like, hey, I've noticed that I've been playing for half an hour and it's, I'm kind of plodding along. I'm not really getting anywhere. And I'm kind of envisioning the crowd getting bored right now, you know, and like some of that's probably just paranoia, but I think it kind of helps to, to contextualize, right. To think of like, what's it actually going to be like in the room when I get there? Yeah. And and that's, that's one thing also, like every time I record, like I don't necessarily envision myself uh, playing in front of people or doing anything like that, because like, I feel like if I'm enjoying it, that somebody else will too. Um, but then there's like I'll do some of them. I'm like I'm like I'm like have I moved anywhere? And it's like I need to do something and, yeah. and check. I feel like to myself. But then you sometimes you go back. I think as DJs we put a lot of pressure on ourselves, and we hear it with such a different ear than everybody else. And you go back True. and you're like, what, what the hell was I so worried about? Yeah, absolutely. I, well, I do that like even when I make like a blatant mistake in the mix. And, and I'm yeah. like, I cringe. And then I go back and listen to the recording. I'm like, oh, is that it? Like, it's like in the moment, I was like, oh, my God, everyone hates me. They're never going to stop talking about this one flub that I made. And it's, it's yeah. never that big of a deal, you know? 
<laughs> I've gotten to the point where I hear it, I'm like, screw it. <laughs> yeah. Just keep going. At, at least they know I'm doing something, like Jared said on the episode the other day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, one of the other traits of unique DJs, uh, diverseness. I, I wrote it as diverseness rather than diversity um, yeah. because he, that kind of gives different visions. But uh, So, for example, Matthew says, I have a, such a range of things I like. It's real fun and a definite challenge to mix literally everything into a pot like gumbo. The mix doesn't always come out very smooth, but it's a fun way to play for friends and to get a lot of variety under your belt. Filiberto says, my ability to mix through different genres of music. And Terry says, I would say proudly that I contrast music that people wouldn't normally think a DJ would mix together. Uh, so this, uh, like, random goulash of tracks approach, this uh, reaching into every little different corner is where, you know, even if you're not performing live, like, let's take a practice session. Like that idea of taking a whole bunch of random songs and throwing them into a pot like gumbo, like Matthew says, and then figuring out how to make those work can actually like really help you, like skill-wise, can really increase your, your abilities as a DJ and kind of give you more to, to work with skill-wise. Uh, this is something I was doing the other day. I've been, if you look behind me, I don't know if you can see it, but there's a reloop beat pad back there that I was doing a video review of. And it's... Um, you know, it uses algorithms DJ. And so I've been playing with the Spotify integration and that's been kind of fun just for the sole fact that it's like, well, a random ass hip hop track. You just type it in and start going, Oh, what about this thing? And you just randomly search things that aren't in your collection or in a playlist and you start throwing them in there. Oh, this is approximately the right BPM. I'm going to figure it out and make it work. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. I, I think that, that like keeping yourself on your toes kind of helps you always progress. Whereas, I feel like a lot of DJs get stuck in that, in their comfort zone. Yeah. Have you ever heard of Mr. Scruff? Sounds familiar, but not sure. Uh, he, uh, he, he does that. And, and also, I guess, the, I think DJ Harvey also. <clears throat> now, I've never really whole, heard a whole lot about DJ Harvey. But then, but Mr. Scruff, uh, he'll cover, like, you know, from dub reggae to hip hop to, you know, funk house music and everything like that but he plays five to six hour sets like and he'll do big uh, like you know shows and stuff like that and, and and it's and and that's you know like in all honesty like there's times you know like i'll like when i did the, the friday night fever uh, mix series i did like i would always try to come up with i want to try to come up with a theme for the week and like and i would try to find stuff where i could find a down tempo or go to, to different stuff and try to fit it but you do have your wheelhouse and then you need to sometimes step out of your wheelhouse and try to maybe find, Hey, these, I like these songs. I want to play these songs. You know, how can yeah. I play these songs? I feel you like know? sometimes like we get so obsessed with the, like the artist part of it. Like I'm trying to create my, define my sound, find my voice and, and all that kind of stuff. And we get so stuck in that, that what we end up doing is just pigeonholing ourselves into this tiny box of sound rather than realizing like, Hey, we're DJs. Like, what are we doing? We're, we're trying to share music with people. Right. So why be so limiting? And that's something I struggle with personally. Uh, definitely. Like I, I get stuck in this little genre box and then I have to remind myself that I'm allowed to go outside of that. Yeah. Hey, you know, one, and I don't have no experience with, with hearing this, but like one, another one of my favorite DJs is Josh Wink. I love Josh Wink. Absolutely. Always, but 
a lot of people I've heard say, have you ever heard him play drum and bass? And this I've was maybe two. <laughs> and they said, like, it's, you know, he's unbelievable as a drum and bass DJ. <laughs> I've heard that, too. And I've too. never heard All right, so our 10 traits for, or 10 traits of unique DJs. We have adaptability, adventurousness, eclecticism, uh, being entertaining, being patient, uh, trait of, what else we have? Musicianship, open-mindedness, preparedness, diverseness, and then we're going to wrap up with authenticity. Amber says that she can't put it into words, but it's all about staying authentic and playing what you feel. And that's something that I really appreciate about uh, your shows in particular, Greg, is that, uh, you know, you found a way to be able to stay authentic to what you want to do and, uh, you know, find a place to put that creative energy. And when you found, you found two different outlets for this, right? Like one is curating songs and one is curating the DJs that curate the songs and putting that into a show. And I think that's really cool. Um, Yeah. I think that's re- that really shows that sense of of authenticity that uh, that Amber's talking about. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, no problem. It's it's a good show, and uh, definitely our listening audience should check it out. Can you remind us again where everybody can check out the shows, and uh, if you want to, you know, people to reach out to you on social media or anything, plug all the things. Yeah. So uh, the uh, so the website, like I said, you can get to everything from there. Uh, the SoundUnderground dot net. Uh, and of course on facebook uh, as the sound underground also um instagram the sound underground and also uh uh, uh sound is the sound underground <laughs> there's some variation in the spelling but if you actually do a search you would be able to find it because there's not really any any huge variations out of that there's like maybe an o missing somewhere or you missing somewhere just because i wasn't the first but I usually always try to point people to, to the website because you can get the Instagram, SoundCloud, iTunes, Google, all that from the, from the website. You know, it's it still needs some work. It's not the, the best thing, but you can hear pretty much all the mixes up to a certain point on each one. And uh, you can always there is a, a mailing list, although it's never it hasn't grown very very big. And I, I don't attend to it as, as well as I should. <laughs> well, maybe we but, can get you a few more uh, subscribers and listeners on that uh, coming from this show because it really is a good show. I really like what you're doing with it. And, uh, you know, check out that David Michael mix. I hear it's fire. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, you know what? That, uh, to, like, I, I keep up with different metrics. So I keep up with the, the, the web. Uh, the website, uh, the website traffic. I keep up with iTunes downloads. I keep up with SoundCloud plays. I can't really keep up with the Google plays. I'm not really sure how to do that yet. But yours, I looked at them today. Yours is still the most downloaded on iTunes. Really? Yeah. Oh well, that's a pleasant surprise. <laughs> yeah. So you, yeah. So you shouldn't be like so hard on yourself when it comes. It was a really enjoyable mix and stuff like that. And it was, it, it's like I said, it still, it still had the most downloads for the Sound Underground podcast. Uh, 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 in iTunes, so. Well, I was, was just good. talking smack, but I guess it really is fire. I'll just, <laughs> I'll take credit for that. <laughs> and I really appreciate everything that you've brought to Passionate DJ, including this episode. And I uh, wish you all the best with the Sound Underground. And this is Acid. And I'm going to keep on listening. And uh, if you ever want me to come back on and do a guest slot, I would love to. Well, I'll probably have to take you up on that offer for sure. (laughs) Greg, this has been awesome, and I appreciate your time and for everything that you do for the Passionate DJ Podcast. 
And to everybody at home, this has been the Passionate DJ Podcast. We'll see you next time. Take care.